Blog Talk Radio. Like you're in a bathroom or something with your headphones. 
That's it, Pam. That's better. That's cool. better. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'll just have to <clears throat> have to hold the phone. Okay. One second. Okay. Well, we'll go with this. Okay, so if you are, thank you for holding on during our technical difficulties. If you're joining us for the first time today, thank you for joining us, and uh, we welcome your input. So you can call in. The number is 347-215-8639, and just hang out on the phone line if you want to participate. Press 1, and it will let us know that you have something to say. Um, if you have any questions or comments, you can always email us at blueclick at gmail.com. And I will open the chat room so you can send questions there also. So I will do that right now. And the chat room is open. All right, so let's let's check in, see how everyone's doing. So Erin, what's... What's good? What's new? What what are you what's happening in your in your universe right now? Oh, you know, I'm just managing the uh the wonderful surprises that are coming my way and just riding the wave. I'm enjoying it and I'm always working on projects that excite me, so I'm good. I'm in a in a great creative space, enjoying things as they happen. Wonderful, wonderful, being your own creator. Good. Good. What about you, Sean? Same thing. Aaron stole my um. Of all ways, you can't use that excuse all the time. And so, no. I'm I'm in a real good space, man. I'm 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 in a I'm in a process. I'm in the throes of a process that is. Um, allowing me to be able to teach, allowing me to use my create my creative juices, and at the same time um, allows allowing me to um, participate in my own personal growth process through very directly through um, the piece that I'm working on. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It, it 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 it. I never realized how your your life, your journey, your story in and of itself is art. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's art. It's art. Your story mm-hmm. is art. And there are aspects to your your story that can be put to music and, you know, uh, uh, um, uh, verbiage and visuals, and it's a movie. You know, and you have a lot of people who are writers and creators and, and, and filmmakers and TV people who search, you know, uh the internet and newspapers for ideas and things to write about. But when you have, when your life has enough material in it that you can extrapolate certain things, and you you can take segments of, well, I don't know if everybody can do this, but, you know, I'm speaking in general. You can take segments of your life and create an entire movie from it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And what I'm learning about myself is I learned through visual. The visual arts are important to me. So 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 is music. They're very important to me. So when I'm a, when I'm able to apply um situations, growth uh, uh um promoting situations and I'm able to apply those situations in the context of visual art and 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 and, and music, 
it's like a laboratory for me that I didn't realize. Well, I did on some level, but I didn't realize the scope and the magnitude of it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm completely in the throes of this thing that it, 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 it's huge. And I'm enjoying it because I'm able to look at my life in a way that I never really did before. You know? And there are a lot of interesting things in there. <laughs> I always consider myself a pretty much pretty much a, a boring person. I don't do much in terms of going out. And I don't have much of a social life. I don't have a whole lot of friends that I, you know, we go on trips around the world. So I consider myself a boring person for the most part. But when I go back and I reanalyze a lot of the things that I've gone through and a lot of the situations and events that have taken place with me or around me, there's a lot of shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of shit in there that that is um, definitely um, entertainment worthy and informative at the same time. You know, anytime you can combine those two, it's a win-win. I don't care how you do it. Anytime you can entertain someone and have them riveted to their seat to the point where they want to know what's going on and what you're conveying is something that they need to hear, that's a win-win. You know? There are a lot of people making music now, and they have a platform that reaches millions, and they ain't saying, they're saying absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. They're yeah. saying, they're saying absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I think if you, if you have the opportunity to gain, you know, that scope of an outreach, you should at least say something that's worth being heard. You know what I'm saying? You would think so. But it's a difference between, and hopefully I'll be, can you hear me better now? No. You're a little No. I'm going to try this. I'm trying these headphones because I don't want to hold the phone to my head. Okay. Um, well, I'm trying, I might have to switch back and forth. Um, when you are... And that's the difference between we talked about people who are artists and then people who, you know, do something just as, I mean, because anything, any any job or occupation, can you can approach it as an artist, something that you're living or something that you're just doing or you're just, you know, showing up. So it's the difference between exactly. living and existing. Um, So I think even with music, there are lots of people who are singers, but they're not artists. And we had a conversation about this when I was talking about, whenever I come across something that I think somebody will enjoy, I always, or can get something out of, I always forward it. So I have a a group of friends that, that that are musicians or singers. And um, so when I find something that's particularly artistic, I always, you know, I'm going to send this to this group of people because they really would appreciate this. And I have a friend who I've known for a long time who has an amazing voice. And she's an extremely talented singer. And it never occurred to me to put her with this other group because I don't see her as using her art form as art. It's just something that she can do. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of the nature that she uses her voice. She has a voice, 
but she just uses it's it's just more of a yeah I have it but she doesn't approach it as an art or a passion and there's such a big difference between and it just kind of made me think or took me aback when I was I said I've never it's funny because I you know she's somebody who's in the forefront of my mind but I never put her in that category and I just kind of was trying to think why have I never put her in that category but I've never thought of her as artistic although she has this talent and I think with with music Sean what you're referring to with music or singers you can you don't even have to have a fantastic voice to be able to reach people you can have we were talking we were talking about Jimi Hendrix Jimi Hendrix did not have a, a singing voice at all whatsoever but he approached his music as an extension of his being and who he was, and so he affected millions with a very, you know, he, of course, his his guitar playing, but he sang, and he got through to people with his words and his music and singing it because he was every bit a part of everything that he created with his voice and with his instrument, and that's the difference between him and someone who is marketable and we can dress you up and you look good and so we're going to put you on a stage and and market you well enough so that you'll be popular and, and make music. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people are, you know, they, they're the gimmick but there's nothing artistic about them at all whatsoever. So it's not even as if they have a, they're just a product. Yes, they are a singer, but they don't they don't have a voice. They've never developed their voice to be able to convey anything. They're just a product. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a big difference. I mean, you know what? That, that's something that's, that, that's lost. I mean, we're going off on something, something completely different, but we'll, we'll loop back around, I guess, somewhere down the line. But music. When you listen to music, and yeah, and that's, that is something that we talked about in terms of different expressions of music. There are people that can't sing with a lick. I've been getting into Bob Dylan lately. <laughs> Bob Dylan can't sing with a dance. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? Vocals. <laughs> but when you listen to the man's music, you can't help but to be captivated by what it is that he's singing. Sure. You know what I'm saying? And you can tell yep. that it's coming from somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it's coming from somewhere. And I, I think I took for granted a long time ago that music, you know, you have to have a, a, a dynamic singing voice, and that's what music was. You know what I'm saying? But as you um, uh, as, are you just barking? You realize, huh? Go ahead. When you really, you know, when you get into music, you realize that there are different aspects of music that, you know, if you don't have a dynamic singing voice, but you're pouring your soul and your heart into what it is that you're conveying, that's just as uh, 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 strong and poignant as somebody with the, as a Patti LaBelle singing it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm just really getting into that aspect of what music is in terms of vibration. And the fact that you can feel someone's vibration regardless of how they sound, if they're authentic in what it is that they're doing. Perfect. You know what that's, I'm saying? That's exactly what it is. And that, yeah. to me, that's, that's what's at the baseline of all art forms. You know, we're just looking for right. that, that honesty, that truthfulness, 
as you know it, and all you have to do is ask your skin because your skin will stand, your, your, you know, your goosebumps will poke up when you felt that right. connection. It'll hit you. Right. You don't have to right. think about it or even intellectualize it. It'll just touch, it'll move you, and, and that's how you know that someone was operating from that place. Right, exactly, exactly. When you're able to to take all those possibilities and you apply them just to your everyday mundane life, man, it becomes magical. Yeah. (laughs) It becomes magical. It becomes magical. All these people that sit around and watch TV and watch these shows and watch how they unfold, you are the show. When you make your life a show, it's a win-win. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I think people do themselves a great disservice when they sit uh, sit around and watch people's lives unfold or that what, what they perceive to be these people's lives. And they get home, and, you know, I can't wait to get home to watch, or they set the DVR to watch somebody else. But the key word is what, you're watching someone else. You're not living your own life or your own experience. You're not taking and making and seeing the magic that you are, but you're lending that whole observation to somebody else, and that's not even real. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So when you're able to, to, to take all of those things that, that, that captivate you, hold your imagination, and what TV and news and, and what TV and movies are, and those those components that captivate your imagination and hold your attention, when you can apply those things that make you that captivated to your own life, mm-hmm. when you become the star of your own life and you start to write your script and live your script and view your script as the person viewing it. Yeah. All of the experiences that you look for that are artificial, that are outside of yourself, are within you. They are you. You know, but we, we, we've been taught to lend all of that to something else, something that's, you know, not serving us. Or not serving our greater good anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm excited about the fact that I've stumbled upon that very thing within myself. I've always been a, a creative person. I've always been, you know, I've, all, I've been writing since I was a kid, you know, making up stories and scripts and all of that kind of stuff. But now I'm starting to see that, okay, this is this is you. You are the story. Right. Right. You know, <laughs> you are the story. You are this dynamic story that you're talking about or looking for. Yeah. You know? And, and and when you get to that point, it's like, wow, okay, this is a tool that I can use. It's not something – you don't have to compartmentalize things. You know, we compartmentalize stuff. You know, I'm a musician, but that's something I do over there. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't apply it to, you know, the general facet of of, of my life. It's a, it's a compartmentalized thing that only serves its purpose within its own arena, mm-hmm. you know. And and, and it, it it doesn't it's not applicable outside of that, but that's not true. And when you can find a way to incorporate that thing that you're passionate about, regardless of what it is, you can incorporate that into your very being in your everyday life. You're on to something. Yeah. You're on to something. Absolutely. And then you know all the stuff that the people sit around with the self help and the law of attraction and all of that kind of shit. And I want this. I want that. If you just get busy in what it is that you, that brings you joy every day. Again, if you can incorporate that into your life and you can bring yourself to the point where you're joyful every day, all of that other bullshit will take care of itself. It's true. It's true. All of that other bullshit will take care of itself. Yeah, man. So, you know, I'm I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm really in. I really am. I'm excited about that. And, again, 
<laughs> keeping that joy in front of me like a carrot. You know what I'm saying? That I'm just I want that. I want to keep experiencing that. And I'm not even worried about what the 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 material uh, uh, um, repercussions of that look like. You know what I mean? I'm not. Mm-hmm. That's not my pursuit or my focus. That is what it is. That comes with the package, and I accept that. Mm-hmm. But it's not what you know. That's not why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, and that's the difference. You know, most people it seems these days chase the chase the bottom line. They chase the buck. You know, the end the end justify the means. Mm-hmm. So whatever it is, or the hell with it. If I'm, you know, arduously getting up every morning and can't stand to get the fuck up, and like, I gotta do, you know, I gotta do what I gotta do. Okay, cool. I understand that. In in in, in the, there is there is a place for that, but that's not your general overall life. Mm-hmm. You know, and it shouldn't be. That shouldn't be the anticipation of your general overall life. Mm-hmm. Trying to find ways to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you get caught in that survival mode, you get caught in that survival web. That's where you are. And you can't mm-hmm. think about anything else. You can't find joy in that. You can't relax in that. It's like being on a, a treadmill. It's like being handcuffed to a treadmill. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You can't stop. <laughs> you got to go as long as that belt turns. You can't stop. <laughs> you know? But there are tools. There are tools within that type of lifestyle. Even if you have to temporarily live that type of lifestyle, there are tools within that type of lifestyle that will make it more palatable that you can find some joy in it and joy joy yourself out of it along the way. You bet. If you yeah, if you find if you yeah. can find a way to the giant hairball the center of yourself. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. Avoid <laughs> the giant hairball. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. That is what it is, ain't it? Look, I'm too shady. I'm too shady to be late. I'm too shady to be late. That's it. It's it's a language. You know, a a person might say, I'm walking to the store in French. Another person might say, I'm walking to the store in Mandarin. But it's, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing that you're doing. So it matters not how you're doing it or the language that you're speaking, it's that you're you're doing what you want to do or that you're connecting to it. The how is not right. important. Not at all. Right. 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 Well, that's true. As long as you've got your joy, you know, who mm-hmm. who cares? Who cares how you're doing mm-hmm. it, you know? We don't care how the sausage mm-hmm. is made. Get the sausage. Right. <laughs> Actually, I do care how the sausage is made. <laughs> Sausage is a hot dog. That's all that hot dog thing, man. I'm done with hot dogs. I mean, I knew, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. it's one thing to know it, so to speak. It. It's another thing to see that shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's another thing to see it, man. It was, ah. Nah, I want to know who my sausage is, man. I want to know how that's made. Yeah, I need well. another analogy. <laughs> It's maybe not the best analogy, but yeah, <laughs> I do have seen how that school sausage is made in bacon. Right, 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 right. <laughs> oh man, nobody cares. Off too far. No, no. Um, it actually kind of goes along with what we are subject today, which is um, basically your big, long story of limitation. Like, human, you know, the the levels of the human experience, how a lot of people are 
stay in a particular story that limits um, their experience to being very one-dimensional. And I think what we're talking about is lifting that and living multi-dimensional and living the all of your being rather than just the one, you know, this is the one aspect. So, you know, it's like you go into, when you go to the library, you don't just go and get the same book over and over and over and over and over. You want to read lots of different books, and that's what you're talking about. I want to read the book. I want to feel the book. I want to enjoy the book. I want to read it inside and out. And then I want to go get another book and read that book, and then I'm going to go get another book. But, you know, a lot of people just live their lives to not even reading the book, but letting other people tell them what the book says. And I have a book, so I'm just going to stick to this one story and this one book, and I'm just going to live this this one story. And most of the time when you're stuck in that, and, and I will say where I want to start is uh, the belief system, and not necessarily, but including a religious belief system, but basically your belief, once you have a belief system, you're limited to those beliefs, and that becomes your story. So if it's a belief of, you know, what you decide to accept, everything in your world is, lines up to um, give you further proof that you're, of your belief system. And so you start to see everything very narrowly because basically all you're looking for is just evidence and proof to keep your belief system. Right, to support your belief system. Um, So it, it automatically closes every other door except for that one. So it's like, you know, again, another analogy is saying that there's only the color red. So you only look for the color red. Look, there's a red car, and look, there's a red, that lady has a red dress on, and everything you look at is red, and you completely block out all the other colors because the only color you're looking for is red. Therefore, very much limiting your world, your scope, your worldview. So anything that doesn't have red, anything that doesn't, you don't even see it. So it's, once you accept that, it becomes very, and, and you close everything else, it becomes very difficult to see anything else. Right. And, because, right. and then right. you settle into that, you know, that comfort level. Right. It just becomes comfortable right. for you to stay there rather than to take action and open another door. Why would you do that if you're comfortable and you surround yourself with everyone else who only believes in the color red or only sees the color red also? So um, a lot of your experiences, um, you know, you don't even, you don't live, you don't live your experiences because, well, you don't have any experiences. You just wait for the color red to show up and it tells you. <laughs> that's that's all there is. That's what, that's, that's all there is to, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm trying to breathe and um, <laughs> I have a cold. Um, and not sniffing the phone. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think you can. 
I don't think you can talk or have a conversation about limitations without first acknowledging the first and the chief limitation. You know, the limitation that we tend to glorify sometimes until we learn otherwise. The very mm-hmm. fact that you're a human being is a, is a limitation in and of itself. Mm-hmm. In contrast to what you are outside yeah. of your body. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, we're, we're operating from the deficit of, of limitation itself. You know, and, 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 and that's, that's first and foremost what this place is. Because, again, you can't, as everything, understand that you're everything until you create its opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and experience that opposite. So we've agreed to right. limit ourselves for the sheer sake of understanding what it feels like to be just that, limited. And some of us are, are, are very much enthralled in that, in the pursuit of finding limitations because we look for them. We look for them like, you know, like we're, like we're shopping for clothes. Mm-hmm. And we'll pile them on. And you have people that are walking around with so many limitations that are piled on, you know, limitation upon limitation upon limitation from different sectors and different ways of thinking mm-hmm. and ways of being and from different institutions. But they're all piled on a limitation in yeah. and of itself. You know? And I, right. think, I think enlightenment and consciousness are those people who want to experience their, themselves, their true self, in limitation. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's with, you know, because when you, when you first understand what you are and where you are, you know one of two things. Where you are isn't who you are. We're experiencing this thing because we've agreed to. I've I've agreed to limit down myself to understand what it feels like to um, to not know and to be ignorant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. So as you begin to understand and accept that, now okay, it's okay, cool. I don't want to keep participating in the mundane. I want to bring some of what I really am into this time and space. You know. Right. I want to bring some of my limitlessness into time and space so I can see what that looks like, so I can see how that interplays with what this place is, you know. And I think, I think, yeah, and I think removing people from their natural state as much as possible helps that whole process to, again, limit people. So if you think about, um, and I think you were wanted to, we can talk about how technology limits you, but if you think about the more you remove people from, um, you know, the more concrete you surround them by and the more boxes you put them in and yeah. the more walls and squares and how everything in nature is squiggly lines and it takes humans to create right angles and squares. There are right. no squares that exist in nature. In nature. And we're right. constantly putting ourselves in squares. We've got, you know, everything is straight. We live on a, we live on a, in a city. You live on a grid. You live in a house that has square or rectangular or right-angled doors where you go into windows and straight lines in, you know, every room that you enter. You're constantly going under a, you know, right angles, right angles, right angles, right angles. Right angles don't exist in nature. So the more that you have people passing through these unnatural um, creations, 
barriers, yeah. boundaries, yeah. the the yeah. more removed they are from that awesome. sense right. of the the spiritual right. nature of who they are. And the less easy it is for you to just go out in a, you know, some people, and then you go work out on a treadmill and it's a nice sunny day, but you'd rather be on a treadmill. Um, you know, the more that you remove people from being in touch with nature, the less power, the less connection they feel, the less power they feel. They don't. They feel limited in in their human skin rather than feeling they're an extension of everything. You know, or people can't even go. I mean, people don't look at the stars anymore. You can't even see the stars. You live in a city, and those are the things that give you a connection to the divine, to the infinite that we just don't have anymore. So it's very easy at that point to attract people into buildings, to join some (laughs) organization that um, goes against all common sense and um, tells them that, you know, you're special and this, you know, introduces profit or an idea and you just automatically get people to sit in a building instead of going out and looking at the stars or sitting under a tree, which is much more spiritual than sitting in an unnatural environment and having somebody tell you what your what your beliefs are. Yeah, under a dome. Under a dome. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You always a under a dome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's 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 on purpose too. Uh, I just yeah. I'm reminded so. of my high school, and uh, my high school had this addition, is this new renovated part of the school that had this rotunda and uh, a section of the school that had pretty much floor to ceiling windows. I mean, huge rooms, and in I had math class and painting class in that addition. And in math class, the windows were always drawn. We even tried to raise them once, and the teacher said, put them down. But in painting class, oh, wow. windows up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you could see the park oh. nearby and the trees and everything. And, I mean, it was almost like you were outdoors because the windows were that big. And that always stuck with me. Wow, how they would choose to take you out of that environment for, mm-hmm. for math class. But it was necessary for yeah. for art. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. Because you can't, and I'm sure it was, you can't pay attention, Don't your mind shouldn't wonder, don't daydream, this is serious stuff, you take this serious versus, oh, okay, well, you know, it's art. Right. <laughs> it's just art. And, of course, which class did I get the A in, art? Uh-huh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so there are lots of different things that we take ourselves out of our natural element and separate ourselves. We tend to separate ourselves thinking that that is not us. Mm-hmm. The, the the wild outdoors, um, you know, untamed nature does its thing. We're much we separate ourselves from that, thinking that it's superior to be separate from nature. So we encourage separateness. That awful damn sun. Right, yeah. The sun is, yeah, we completely, yep, protect yourself from the sun, cover up, put sunscreen on, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. 
away all the healing powers of, of the sun and, and made it this awful evil thing that you don't want to right, touch right, 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 right. 20 minutes in the house, stay away from the sun, and take these vitamin D pills. Right. Yep. You know, take these vitamin D pills. You don't need enough of that sun. That sun's bad for you, but here, take this synthetic vitamin D. Yeah. It's so many. It's so many layers, man. It's so many layers of that, and there's so many people participating in it. It's, It's. it's a, it's, it, you almost wonder why people at this point just don't start um, mimicking robots and acting like robots because that's where it's kind of going. Everything is so synthetic and artificial and you're so removed from what's really going on in real time. You're so out of time that you can't help but to start mimicking something else because you're dancing you're not mimicking nature anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? Well, you're not a part of nature anymore. So you, why do people start acting more robotic? I guarantee you, they have to. Well, I think they, they do now. To. Yeah, we're pretty much there. I mean, we're pretty automated right now. Either you're, yeah. you're, if you're not a creator, if you're not, if you don't think you're always creating, but if you're not actively creating, you're you're just being you're an automated being at that point anyway. So I think what you were saying about you know you're living your living your art form. You are your who's painting you. You're painting yourself. So every day, isn't isn't you know you're putting new colors on your painting or you're you know putting a new scene in your painting or whatever. You're paint you're looking at your experience, your human experience as you're unfolding, and that's what it is. Is you're unfolding your art form instead of removing yourself and, you know, your belief system, basically you're just following what you are told to do, what's right, what the moral code according to the society that you're in, your authority figures told you what to do, what's right and wrong, um, time, alarm clocks, all of that makes you, you're a robot. You're automated at that point. Mm-hmm. And if you don't follow those things, then you're just, you know, <laughs> there's something wrong with you. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. What's something wrong with you? <laughs> Where did you get that from? I didn't teach you that. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Where are you getting this from? Right. Right. You didn't grow up like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Or the fact that if you have, you have to be getting it from somewhere because you oh, yeah. out told, of that yeah, yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So who yeah, told yeah, you yeah, that? Yeah. Who told right. you that? Exactly. Right. Well, exactly. your belief, you don't believe my ideas, you had to read it from, if you don't believe my book, you had to get it from somebody else's book. Somebody else's book. So they're still. Yep. It's still a book. Yeah. still following somebody. So how do you know that book is real? If you don't believe my book is real, how come your book is real? You read it from somebody else's book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have that discussion no more, man. I'm like, man, get <laughs> go ahead. I don't even want to talk about it no more. I don't even have that discussion. Man. If you think I'm crazy, just think I'm crazy. I don't know. I want. I don't want to justify. I don't want you to try to get me to justify how I'm not crazy. Just let me be crazy. Uh-huh. No, exactly. No, at this point, just let me be crazy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. 
I don't even get into that no more because there's nothing in it. You, you, I don't give a damn how how exquisitely you lay out your argument mm-hmm. and how sensical mm-hmm. you, your argument is. If they can't hear, they're not. If they're not of that frequency. They can't hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. you broadcasting on V103 and they listening to 102.7. They can't hear what you're saying. They listen to yeah. 102.7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not even, you know, I don't even, I don't even waste my time yeah. with that. No yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't. Okay, I'm crazy. I'll be crazy. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> 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 I hope one day you be crazy. <laughs> right, exactly. You, you know understand how that's crazy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Later. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, I want to talk about um, emotions. So... And specifically, emotion without reason, and how that is could be liberating or could be limiting, based off of because we're all, you know, we're all beings of of feeling and emotion, and that's basically how when people before all of this technology, our ancestors felt their way through the world, and how we really need to get back to our feelings being our non-physical senses. So, you know, we've got the five senses that tell us about the physical world and our feelings are really the the senses that tell us about the non-physical world. Um, Again, when you feel your joy, you feel your bliss, you know that you're on the right path, you know that you're living your truth. If something does not feel good, it probably isn't. Those are all messages. Um, So we're being guided very much by our feelings um, but that could be, and, and a lot of that is lost too. And then there's a lot of limiting behavior to feelings because what you know what you the know what? power you know, of your say. feelings. You know, what I was about to say, can I get this out real quick before I lose it? Uh huh. Yeah. It's almost like feelings in that context is like drugs. It's drugs. It really is. It's drugs. It's 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 drug addiction. Hmm. It's drug addiction. When you're mm-hmm. creating feelings, you're creating these chemicals in your body that you're used to feeling, and you want to keep creating those chemicals so you can feel it. Because, again, like you said earlier, living in, well, living in an artificial environment, those feelings and, and a structured environment that people tell you, you this is what you're supposed to act like and this is what you're not supposed to act like, as you get those feelings, you, you push them away because you're trying to contextualize them as it relates to society. But where do they really go? You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. When you when you put uh-huh. when you push those feelings aside, I'm not supposed to feel like that. People, you know, people don't do that, or people don't think like that, or whatever the case may be. And you discount mm-hmm. those feelings and you push them somewhere else. You later recreate. Um, you, you you create a void. You create a void because you know you have those feelings. You you cognitively are in touch with those feelings, yet you're pushing those feelings aside out of out of um, a, a a moral uh, <clears throat> mandate to do so. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So what do you do with it? You start you harboring all of these weird ass feelings, and you create all of these conditions that really aren't real, so you can feel these feelings that you forfeited because society told you to. You know what I'm saying? Sure. And you wonder why people snap? Right. Uh-huh. Exactly. 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 Finish. Get down. Exactly. You wonder why people snap? It's like they, they, they take all of their truest part of, parts of themselves, and they put it in a place that's really not valid or it's a place that's, that's dirty and degraded and we shouldn't go there. 
those truest aspects of yourself mm-hmm. that don't fit within the framework of society but are still aspects of yourself nonetheless. What do you mm-hmm. do with it? You know what right. I mean? It comes out another way. It it um becomes disease. Society, exactly. Basically. But what happens is, you know, when you live in a society or you live among people who um, basically learn to manipulate your feelings and use yep. them for their own good, you learn that it's very difficult to share with other people for the fear of being taken advantage of. So we just hold everything in. And if you ever share your feelings, it's because you absolutely have no other choice. And it's last resort. And at that point, a lot of people still don't share their feelings. But if you don't, you have to know that it doesn't doesn't go away. It just manifests itself as something different. So when you don't express yourself, when you're not able to get those feelings out or you're not able to be authentic or you're not able to be yourself, one thing that happens is you never learn to trust yourself. So those feelings that you think that you're getting that feels good is more acceptance from other people or the avoidance of feeling like you're being used or they become so misconstrued that you don't they can't come out as authentic because you have no idea what because authenticity feels like vulnerability and vulnerability has translates into weakness and mm-hmm. weakness means death so your feelings of authentic open vulnerability feels is is translated into danger your body your brain your mind translates that into danger so the the feelings that you learn to trust are basically those survival feelings of safety. And you think safety is the feelings of positivity and joy. You just want to be safe. Um, And so people never really develop a sense of trust for their feelings and never get to be, never get to live their authentic feelings because... um, the amount of, even if you've never personally been manipulated, you've been that has been passed on from everyone else and your 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 parents or or seeing other people being taken advantage of, and you saying that would never be me. So all of the vows that you, all the spiritual vows that you take to um, protect yourself against it, and therefore rob yourself of your authenticity, it's still there. It doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. So it's going to come out in another way to help you pay attention to yourself. So it's going to come out as, you know, a disease or illness or injury or something that's going to make you pay attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is, of course, much... I'm sure If you're looking to have more of what you prefer in your life, there's no right or wrong, but what what you are preferring in your life, it what you want to do and the key to that is to really invest some time in getting to know what your feelings are outside of what's safe, what's familiar, what's acceptable. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that, you'll never get to your, you can't get to your authentic self. So outside of the opinions of everybody else and being accepted, in, in what society says is responsible, safe things to do. What are your real, true, authentic feelings? 
and then and then retraining yourself to know that vulnerability does not mean weakness. It's actually the you know ultimate strength is being able to be vulnerable and knowing to that vulnerable. it's not leading yeah. death to you. Right. Right. Absolutely. So it's the it's the you know that whole conflict between what's you know filling between your your authentic feelings and and reason and safety and security. Safety and security, which is you know the is low level, because there really is no safety or security. Um, and thinking that is, that's all that you strive for, that's all that you work for. And most people in this society, if you're safe and you're, if you have a sense of safety and security, um, you know, financially and otherwise, and, and that's pretty much what people think that, okay, you're doing okay for yourself. Mm-hmm. And you never get past the, you never get past the, the, the basement level. You stay on the, you stay in the basement. Right. And that's right. so you know creative people. If you are to get, if you're going to be a creator, creative people don't stay at the bottom, and they can't stay. You can't be creative and be stuck in safety and security. You have mm-hmm. to be in touch directly in touch with your feelings, and those feelings translate into your art form or into your life. So you can't write music or poetry or write, draw a painting or even just, you know, go and walk among the trees or even be an act. You know, somebody had said something about, um, I, was talk, I was listening to somebody talk about channeling, and they were basically saying, well, everybody channels. It's just a matter of if you, if you recognize it that way. So, you know, when athletes, we talk about athletes in their zone, Mm-hmm. Or you talk about when you get into that space where you are, you know, all time and space disappears because you're in your elements. That's basically you channeling, channeling. It's on a different level. So you can't get into that feeling. You can't get into, if you're an athlete, you can't get into the zone. If you're a musician, if you're a poet, if you're a writer, if you're, you know, whatever it is, if you can't get past that bottom basement level of of safety and security and appeasing other people, you can't be a creator. You can't be a creative person um, because you're stuck in those false human emotions. You have to be able to, you know, that's all very intense emotional work that you have to be able to translate from, go take from a spiritual realm into a physical realm in order for you to be able to basically share your art form. Um, But that goes for creating a business, for, you know, being able to be present um, in whatever it is you're doing. If you're just, you know, well, you know... um, trimming trees or whatever it is, if you're, you know, sweeping the floor, you're still going to be present. It still involves you giving immediate attention um, to what you're doing and that's going to translate into you um, expressing yourself, which is emotion. So 
and I think that's what people, when people are saying that there's beauty in everything, I think that's what it is that they're talking about. There's a, a deep, natural beauty in everything if you're present in the moment that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And that takes you being in touch with your emotions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bye. Wow. Beautiful. So, um, so when you, if you take that, but you can't just be stuck. But the, again, the, the the other side of that is, I think, the sensitivity. When people are too sensitive and they're they use their emotions as a gauge of. I need to what I need to protect myself against and what I need to deflect. So therefore, they leave themselves closed to a lot of stuff. And I think everybody knows they can can, can um, have come across someone who you can't say anything to or you can't be having a, an authentic, expressive thought to this person at all without them running away or getting defensive or getting mad or not hearing what you have to say because when they feel something, they automatically feel it as a criticism or rejection um, because they're not comfortable with their feelings. For whatever reason, they translate an authentic feeling Again, it's feeling dangerous and vulnerable. Mhm. So they feel, and you can't, you can't have the good, you can't shut out bad feelings and still be open to the good feelings. If you decide to, sh- to shut down any feelings, you're shutting them all down because you can't have either you're being a feeling being or you're not. Mm-hmm. So either you're completely shut down or you're completely open. There is no halfway can't feel, again, you can't feel happy all the time because without without the, this, without the having sadness or anger, there is, you can't have, again, polarity. You can't have one side without having the other side. And then right. an effort for people to not feel anything which they translate as negative, they also um, block out the positive. And so they all become, they translate any feeling as a negative feeling and block them all out. So it can definitely be a, a, a double-edged sword. So it's, I think the, the key to that is just being able to feel full, fully open yourself up to feel everything so that you know what feelings translate into what so you can use that as your guidance system. And therefore, you don't have to, to it's, it's less thinking and more feeling. It's the difference between being a, uh, a human being instead of a human doing. Mm-hmm. So, and getting back in touch with, with, you know, where we were before we had all of this, you know, technology and influence from other people is getting back to, Feeling our way through our lives instead of, you know, doing, being what we do. And having your feelings be the, the engine that drives you rather than what you do. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, did you want to talk more about, I know you wanted to talk about um, 
you had some specifics about technology that you wanted to talk about. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, no, I mean, you kind of touched on it. It wasn't nothing beyond what you were just saying. I mean, you know, when you, there was a time, you know, again, I've, I've said before, that we were probably at our lowest in terms of um, consciousness and intellect. No, <laughs> um, based on, I mean, looking at, in contrast to previous years, I'm sorry. In contrast to previous years, when you look at all of the things that were done, you know, again thousands of years ago, with 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 basically using no outside apparatus other than their own mind, you know, you, you can't tell me that taking all of these technologies and placing them in devices outside of yourself is moving forward when all of these devices mimic things and aspects of your consciousness when it's when everything is put together and functioning at its at its you know at its apex. You know, all of the stuff like uh, 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 telepathy and all of that kind of stuff is, is, is possible when you're functioning from more as from a greater aspect of, of your mental capacity or whatever. So in that instance, you know, I mean it's even indicative of everyday observation when you realize the fact that you don't remember people's phone numbers anymore. It shuts down aspects of you because you put, you place those things that you once relied on yourself to remember or attain, obtain and hold, you place them in something else. So you that atrophies in you, you know? That that, that one piece of, 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 of able to remember that, that, that piece of data is no longer uh, necessary because you've given that to this device to do for you, so that atrophies in you. So you lose um, one aspect of, you know, your mental capacity. So as you give more and more of your mental capacity away to these outside devices, you become stupider. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? You become stupider. Mm-hmm. And a minute computers are going to be doing everything. Just like that movie. Did you ever see the movie um, Wally? Yeah. Aaron? You remember oh, that yeah. when they all the TV yeah, in the future, they were just blobs sitting in the chairs, yeah. computers were doing everything? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's an extreme, you know, <laughs> that's an extreme interpretation of it, but that's what it pretty much is. That's where it's headed. Oh, you bet. That's, that's, spot on. that's where it's headed. That's where it's headed. So, you know, it's, 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 on one hand, it looks like freedom and it looks like liberation because you have information at your fingertips. But on the other hand, what is mm-hmm. the price that you're actually paying for the use of that? Mm-hmm. You're paying a price right. for that. That comes at a price. You know, that's not free. You know, all of this technology, and you know, we're, 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 we're glamorized by the fact that the world is so small and we can, you know, anything that we want to know is at, at our fingertips, but that comes with a cost. It really does. <laughs> mm-hmm. You bet. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. You lose, you lose a large aspect of yourself for the price of that. Mm-hmm. You know? Then I, I think that there's... And I just answered my own question. There's, there, there is, and I'm, I'm, I'm currently, I think I'm probably incorporating it. There is a medium that you can indulge in those things and, and, and utilize those things to your benefit, but mm-hmm. you have to designate time to pull away from those things. You bet. You know, you have to designate segments of time to pull away from those things to get back in touch with yourself. Because if you don't, you'll become a complete. Potato, <laughs> right. a potato 
with a computer in your hand. You know? Right. Oh, yeah, 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 you yeah, do, and you because you just start to depend on stuff. Like, what do you do if when it when it when it stops or it breaks down, and you're left with right. you know your own capacity to have to think or figure it out for yourself, and then you some people panic or you break. Like, I, I this is a just a, a small example of like I went to. I remember this was a long time ago. Well, like when you go to a fast food restaurant and everything is not even, you know, you just they just press the button. You order and they press the button with the picture on it. It doesn't even have words on it anymore. And they press the picture and it tells them what time, how much it costs. And then you give them the money and they put in the amount of money you give them and it tells them how much change to give you back. And I went to Chick-fil-A one time, and the cash register stopped working, and it was like 3.46 or something, and I gave her a five, and she couldn't figure out how much change to give me. And she just had panic in her face. Wow. So, so, you know, I sat there and waited for her to see if she'll figure it out, and then, you know, I told her. And so it was just panic. Like, she had no idea where to even start or what to do. And I'm sure she goes to school every day. And um, it was a young, she was a teenager. And she, it was on a Saturday. She, you know, she went to she went to school. She has had math classes. It was simple math. But she couldn't figure it out. And it, not because she didn't know it, but because she hasn't had to. Right. 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 This is what the machine is supposed to do. All I'm supposed to do, again, when you're automated, you all I'm supposed to do is push a button, push this button, take the money out of the register, hand you your bag, hand you your change, you go. When you break somebody's routine, when, again, you make them into a robot and then something happens and you ask them to go outside of that routine and to think, they don't know what to do until you give them another instruction. And so basically after she was given another instruction, she could figure it out, but she just broke down and had nothing, had no idea what to do mm-hmm. without the instruction. Um, wow. Which she very well could have did very well without the cash register and just giving giving change. It wasn't, I mean, it was Chick-fil-A. It wasn't like they were selling anything, you know, massive or difficult where you'd have to figure a bunch of stuff out. Um, so it's, you know, in, in contemporary American life, <laughs> well, we have no idea what reality really is. Um, you know, you ask somebody to go outside of their automated world or how everything is supposed to be as it should be completely taken outside of reality where we think that we're not even touched by certain things, certain concepts or ideas. It also creates a lot of fear of not only the unknown but the whole xenophobia of strangers and anybody mm-hmm. who's different from us is our enemy. Um, and we're inside of this this bubble where we have this illusion that we're protected and different from the whole world and the whole world hates us because the only information that we get in is from the TV and we think that we trust, again, authority. That's another another limitation is um, authority figures. We think that if somebody is in a position of 
what we consider a powerful position, then they're automatically gain your they don't even they don't have to do anything else to gain your trust. There's an assumption that if they're put in that position, they must be trustworthy. I'm going to believe everything that they say. Mm-hmm. And so therefore we don't use reason at all whatsoever. It's complete emotion. There's no reason behind it at all. It's he's in a he's in a position of authority, he looks authoritative, he's tall, he's you know, fits the description of someone who is powerful, he has nice clothes and a nice suit. I'm gonna trust this person. Automatically. Another way that our, our feelings limit us and um mis misguide us, mislead us. Because we don't even look for facts anymore. We just go off of assumptions. Assumptions that our feelings have have told us to to trust. Mm-hmm. So a lot of non non thinking going on. Um, when we mistrust, I mean, it's, 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 there is a big difference between, you know, there are, when we put our, our thoughts can limit our authentic beliefs, but our unauthentic feelings don't allow us to think for ourselves. So it's a balance between the, the thinking and the emotions and the feelings. And if we don't have that balance or what we depend on outside sources, to tell us how we're supposed to feel and what we're supposed to think, we don't do either one. So, again, we're just living somebody else's idea of what we... turning ourselves into robots, our idea of what other people think we should be. Right. So we're just uh, (laughs) a... We're just a battery, basically letting somebody else use our our energy for their uses. I was gonna say, isn't that where all the trouble is? Isn't that where all the mm-hmm. suffering is? And someone yeah. else someone else's thoughts or standards or system. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Instead of learning from your own, instead of, you know, learning from your own ideas, you have to learn from somebody else's concepts is what they tell you your ideas should be. And then, um, if we go back to the, and we're talking about, now what do you, what's the difference between, like if somebody was talking, we were talking earlier about belief systems or beliefs. So... The difference between, I'm going to be the devil's advocate for a second. So, you know, like some difference between somebody's beliefs and facts. So if somebody says, what's a belief system? Like everybody has some type of belief system. What would, what's the difference between a belief system and facts? Because most people with a belief system think their belief system is full of facts. What's the difference between a belief system and facts? Uh Um, A a, a belief system is a a blanket, an overall um, context of 
perceived facts. Because even facts aren't facts. Yeah, that's perception. There are no facts. What's the facts? You know what I'm saying? The facts are based on the perceiver of, of the facts. Mm. So once it becomes perceived by somebody, it's secondhand anyway. Even if you get it, it's third and fourth hand. So it's it's all belief. Mm-hmm. The belief system is pretty much a blanket statement. You know, and when you start breaking down facts within the belief system, we're talking about facts within the belief system. Those are things that, you know, make up the blanket. There's are little tiles in the blanket, I guess. But everything is based on belief. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know what's really fun? I just thought about that. When you get to the point where you know, first of all, you got to know that knowing is possible. And it's mm-hmm. easy to discern what's true and what isn't true mm-hmm. based on your level of knowing. You know what I'm saying? And some things just don't matter anyway, if they're true or not. You know, it doesn't matter. But your level of discernment of what's true and what isn't is 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 is, is it, it, it's very apparent when you clear space for knowing to be possible. Once you clear a space where there, where where you know, this right here is immutable. I know this. This is just a basic tenet mm-hmm. that everything adheres to. This is universal law, period. Mm-hmm. You know, once you learn universal law, the immutable laws of the universe, you can see truth in facts. Just because somebody labels it a fact doesn't make it truth. The fact is based on, again, whoever's perceiving it. I could be standing in front of it, and you could be standing on the side of it. What I see isn't what you see. So, you know, who's who's telling the truth? If you tell your account of it and I tell my account of it, we both are. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But when when you learn, when you, when, you, when you reach a place of knowing, you can fill in the blanks almost like a computer does. You know how computers can do those three, 360 images now? And it's basically based off speculation of whatever image that they had in front of them. And they fill in the blanks mm-hmm. with the rest. Mm-hmm. When you have a bigger picture and you have a bigger perception of the overall picture, you can fill in the rest with a great degree of accuracy and certainty. You know, that's, it, it, that's at least sufficient for you <laughs> if nobody else. Go pee, man. Okay, what about, um, is that the same as um, a myth versus reality? Myth versus reality? Mm-hmm. Myth, myth precedes reality. Reality is, is, is what goes on in matter in time and space. Myth is what goes on in the ethers that translates into what happens in time and space. Myth isn't necessarily, you know, a personification of of anything. You know, like when you hear, uh, when you talk about Greek mythology and they talk about, you know, Zeus and all of that shit, you know, it's it's based on a concept, a universal concept or an idea or a thought or a thought wave that basically somehow manifests itself in time and space in archetypes and people acting out these various archetypes through these mythologies that are basically universal thoughts. Mm-hmm. They never happened. You know, they never happened in real time. There was no Zeus. You know, there was no Athena and all of that. There was no Jesus, Buddha, 
None of those. They're, they're, they're concepts. They're archetypes. They're energies. They're formulas. And reality, and we consider reality is what happens in third dimensional death, third density space. That you can see mm-hmm. such space as now, that you can monitor or measure. You can't measure a myth. Mm. You know, but you can measure physical account in, in time or, you know, whatever you need to measure it in. You can quantify it. Myths can't be quantified. Myths are like gas. In reality, they're like water. They're the same thing. They're just in different forms. Mm. Right. I love that. Yeah, I do too. I do too. What is cool? Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, what about um, like memory versus imagination? It's the same thing too. <laughs> Your memory and imagination is the same thing. It's the same exact thing. Nobody has a memory that you can hold everything. You start to fill in the blank. Every time you remember something, you start to fill in the blank. And you use your imagination to do so. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't remember, no one remembers a moment in its entirety, in its exactitude. You know, it's like you can go pull it up like it's a YouTube clip. Nobody remembers like that. And each time, and, and as far away you get away from the actual event, each time you revisit that event, you're, you're placing other details in there that weren't there. Mm-hmm. And you're using your imagination to do that. Mm-hmm. So they're pretty much the same thing. <laughs> they're pretty much the same thing. They assist one another. If there's nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, we all know how memory, yeah, memory is pretty much completely unreliable. <laughs> but I think even with, especially with technology, it's even more unreliable because you see so many images with movies and TV and music and sound that to your brain, your brain doesn't necessarily decipher what you did versus what you heard. And if you see something, your eyes is going to translate that through an experience. And so something or someone can look familiar, and it might be somebody you know or it might be somebody who looks like somebody you saw on TV or it might be something that you heard someone else say and told the story, and so your brain stores that as your memory, although it was somebody else's memory, and they all just kind of mesh together. And so your the distinction between your reality as defined by something that you actually experience firsthand versus second-hand experience from someone telling a story or from something you saw on TV, basically it's all the same thing. Right. It is. So Mm -hmm. it's real to you once it's in your brain and once it's stored however your brain stores memories. 
it's real. It's real to you. It's real. Whether you experience. I don't think your brain. I don't think your brain stores memories. You don't think your brain stores memories? This is my theory. No, I don't think memories are stored in the brain. I think memories will. I don't think the brain stores memory just much any any more or any less than any other organ in your body. Hmm. They all store memories. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. Interesting. They're yeah. Okay. Memories. Yeah. memories like memories aren't stored here. It's just like we're not here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That part of you, like if somebody says, does it open you up and say, Where's your soul? You know what I'm saying? It's not here. It's not here. None of that is here. That's like that's the that's where the concept of the cloud came from. That's in the cloud. You're in the cloud, right? You know what I'm saying? That's in the cloud. All of that shit that we talk about, memories and all, that's not stored in your brain. Your brain is an organ. Like any all the other organs. And they do store specific DNA signatures and all that. You know, anybody who gets an organ transplant will tell you that. You know, no. they remembering and thinking about shit that they, they that never really happened to them, but the person that who gave them that organ, that's their experience. All your organs store memory, but yo, all of that shit stored in the cloud, man. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have a memory from, you know, when you were three years old, is that a memory? Mm-hmm. Or is that imagination? As a memory. That's a memory as much as you, it's, it's a memory. Some uh, it, It's both. It's both. It's both. Especially if it's a vivid memory. Because you imagine you have to recall, you have to call in your imagination to, to lend certain faculties to the remembering process. This is the smell that came with it. You know what I'm saying? Or a particular sound that came with it or a song that came with it. Huh? So do memories have to involve something physical? Like that in order for it to be memory? Um, no. No, it doesn't have to. Well, something physical has to anchor itself to the memory in order for you to understand it. Like, for example, a song. If you hear a song and it brings back a memory of where you were, nothing particularly, you know, fascinating about where you were, but it was just the fact that you heard that song. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to anchor it to something physical in order for you to hold on to it as a memory. That's why, you know, people ask that question all the time. Where were you when such and such and such happened? You know what I'm saying? Because you're anchored to that. Once you, and, and whatever that, that, that event is, it's forever and infamy tied to whatever you were doing at the moment that you realized it happened. Because you need, it, okay. you need something to, it's like a balloon. And like a, a balloon with helium in it. If you don't anchor that balloon and tie it to something, it's just going to float away. Mm-hmm. You have to anchor it to something. You have to anchor it to something that you can tangibly recall, be it sight, be it sound, be it smell, or whatever. But you have to incorporate your other senses in order to have a marker. It's like a bookmark. When you put a marker right there. So whenever I need that file, I remember where that file is because I see, I put a certain signature on it. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. It, it makes yeah. sense. And I was, it reminds me of something that I read a long time ago just about how if we remember everything. Everything is stored, and it's just a question of anchoring it so that you can recall it. And mm-hmm. that place... 
that place where everything is recorded and remembered and stored, of course, is not, well, it's not really anywhere, and I guess at the same time, it's everywhere. It's everywhere, it's not, it's, right. Right. It's not, right. It's not the brain. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Aaron, did you ever see the movie Dreamcatcher? No. You didn't see that? Man, if you can find it, get it. I it's will. About, well, it's, I didn't even see the concept. It, it has nothing to do with what I'm about to talk about. And, you know, the dude, this, this, one, this one dude, one, the main, well, one of the characters teaches these dudes how to organize and file away their memories and recall them. Uh-huh. And every time they were thinking about something, they had they would depict um, the person like going in an elevator, going into these pristine old uh, vintage file rooms, and pulling you know scrolling through the index and pulling up the file and opening it up, you know. Mm-hmm. And I always it was a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant analogy. The movie was kind of weird. It's one of Stephen King movies, but if you can get a hold of it, check it out. It's called Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher, all right. Yeah, Dreamcatcher, Dreamcatcher, and the segment of it kind of go coincides with what we're talking about. In terms of you know, anchoring things and 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 holding on to things. <laughs> That's the only way I can remember something. I got anchor it to something. It's usually visual. I'm very visual. Mhm. So it's usually something visual, even if it's a you know a stop sign or a, a you know whatever. But it's specific to that moment. And whenever I need to recall that moment, that stop sign or whatever it is, that picture that I've taken in my mind, it always accompanies the thought or the sentence. So do you think, does your, does your memory limit you or liberate you? Both. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your memory, if memories are basically a record of your past, is that anchoring you to it, or is it is it anchoring you to to the past? <clears throat> no. Well, is it a past? Well, is it evidence huh? of an existence of a past, therefore anchoring you to a story? Well, if it does, no, it doesn't anchor you to a story because your perception of it, even if the event remains the same, your perception of it changes as you change. So each time you revisit it, you don't have to revisit it the same way and understand it the way that you understood it when it happened. So in that instance, no, you're not tied to your past because you can revisit it and extrapolate a whole different meaning from it based on where you are now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, can use my, yeah, I can use myself as an example of that. <laughs> when I was really small, like under five, uh, there was a Doberman Pinscher who used to live just the, like two doors down from my grandma. And it was this uh-huh. mean dog. And it was just the only thing that was keeping it from basically attacking anyone was this little, what I remember to be like a twine leash. And, of course, there's this big, ugly Doberman, and the dog's name is Bambi, which was hilarious to me looking back at it. <laughs> and uh, I remember one day Bambi got loose and chased my cousin, my sister, and me uh, basically back to our, our grandma's house. And I remember being terrified and closing the door and crying. And now as I look back at that, you know, it's just a stupid little dog. It, you know, it was, I, used to have, I used to be afraid of dogs for a while, and then I got over that and actually became a big, huge dog lover. And now as I think back to that time when Bambi got loose, it's a funny story to me just because of, how silly it sounds, 
And because it was just, you know, it was just a dog that just wanted to chase us. I don't even know if it really wanted to attack us or not. Right. But you know, uh, being an adult, being an adult, right. it probably wouldn't have bit you. you talk. Right. Yeah, yeah, it probably wouldn't have put you in the car. Right. Because right. Because it's it's the Doberman. This isn't the Laban when you were telling that story. You're like a big, ugly Doberman. I'm like, right. there ain't nothing ugly about Doberman. <laughs> he put that in that face when he was experienced with it. You know what I'm saying? Right. All about the perception. Yeah, it's about your perception. It's how right. you see that event. And, and this is probably, Bambi, Bambi must have been a girl. Bambi was a girl. And right. Bambi, I, you know, I can't remember whether or not she actually barked, but she would run up to people. And I think she just wanted to play. Right. And, yeah. I, and I love Dobermans now. They're adorable. Yeah. They're, just, they're yeah. adorable dogs. But it's yeah. just funny yeah. how when you're a kid, you're, ter- you're, told, you're told certain yep. dogs are... Yeah. This kind of way, yeah. <laughs> and if something yeah. runs towards you, run. Uh, run, right? And back then, Doberman had that thing where everybody said, "Don't get no Doberman; they'll turn on you." I right. Know what that meant, you know? Yeah. They, they, they yeah. that was notorious with Dobermans. I had a Doberman, and we had a Doberman growing up, and uh, we had it for like fourteen years, man. Mm-hmm. And that dog was the best dog I ever had to date. And yeah. I don't know what that whole turn on you thing was. The Dobermans had a bad rap from that movie, the Doberman Gang, when they had that dog man with teaching them how to rob banks. You ever see that movie? No. <laughs> yeah, man, that's where they that's where they gained their fame from that movie. It was they bank they had these Dobermans and they trained them how to go in, you know into a bank and get up on the counters and stuff and threaten the people and they robbed banks with them. Mm-hmm. It's called the Doberman Gang. Yeah, that's smart as hell though. Brilliant dogs. Yeah. Fun shit. You bet. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Bambi. Yeah. Yep, old Bambi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, Rottweilers and, and Pits have that reputation mm-hmm. mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Mean, vicious dogs and, you know, dogs right. are dogs. Right. You're bad in them. You're not allowed to have Pits in so-and-so city or so-and-so county Mm-hmm. I would right. say Pitbull was a metaphor for nigga, though. Pretty <laughs> much. <laughs> it Pretty is. Much. Yeah, Pretty it is a metaphor for nigga. <laughs> and that's why Pitbulls are... Pitbulls are my favorite breed. <laughs> <laughs> One of them. They really are, yeah. They really are. I think the people who criticize them are people who never actually got to know one. Right. right. You get to know them. Right. Personally. They really are sweet dogs. Right. Nothing like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a perfect metaphor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's almost a perfect metaphor. It really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We can cut off early if y'all want to, because you know the football game. No, I have some other stuff. Maria, I wanted to talk about the time, like the, um, believing in time as a concept and how limiting that is. And one thing that kind of comes to my mind is, especially in the process of manifesting, how based off of belief systems and things in our society that we we 
adopt the idea of things that are possible or that are impossible, that you think that certain things take a certain amount of time to get, such as let's say that you're, in order for you to be your ultimate self and to, like I'll, I'll use, I'll use myself as an example. Like really, for me to be able to do the work that I really want to do, I feel like I need a large living space. Um, at this present moment in time, I don't have the large living space. However, in my, in the, and, and it's one of those things, do I, do I, and I know with, with my belief in time that I've been given, that takes a certain amount of time or that takes a certain amount of steps in order to get there. Although intellectually and everything that I know, there is no limiting time. There's, I'm, the only time limit is the time limit that I'm giving it. Like it'll take mm-hmm. a year to do this and this, this or however long, whatever time I'm putting on that. That doesn't exist. But yet, based off of everything that I've been taught and other people's self-limiting beliefs that have that I've inherited, I put a time limit on it, or people tend to put a time limit on things rather than just saying, if you want it, you can have it right now. Because that's all there is, is now. Right. But you just answered um, your own what? question. You just answered your own question. You just answered your own question. Mm-hmm. So is, so is time, just leave it in time as far as, is, is time, we use time as real because we use it as a measurement, but is it really an accurate measurement of things? Is it real? No. It is and it isn't. Yes and no. Mm-hmm. It's real, but it isn't real. This is time, time as we see it and time as we observe it is only important for one thing, to measure the day. Mm-hmm. To measure the day, period. It, has not, it doesn't even measure the night. Tonight is this, the night is discounted. It's just measure the day. And then when you break it down even further, it's measure the work day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's me, it's, when you break it down even further, it's measure how much commerce is moved in 12 hours. You know, mm-hmm. and you break it down into segments of how 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 long can I stay up before I have to go to sleep so I can get up tomorrow and do it again. Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's not if, you, if that if that observation of time is even lopsided, and it's only observing the, the the snippet of the day so you can be as productive as you can, so you can get rest at night, so you can do and do get back on the wheel the next morning. Mm-hmm. But time is time is as a time is or isn't as relevant as you yourself says it is. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's as relevant or important as you deem it to be so. You know? That's why I said in the beginning, like, you, you answered your own question. It's like, you know time to be not of that much significance where everything is anchored to time where it takes this amount of time for this to happen, other than that's your agreement. Right. Right. Be it yeah. an agreement that someone yeah. gave you, yeah. but it's still an agreement that you hold on to. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The moment you, right. the moment, the moment that agreement dissipates, you begin to understand. You make the new agreement that time doesn't matter, and that will right. show itself to be the case. 
But as long as you hold the idea in your head that time does matter, then time matters. Right. Right. Yeah, and I think there are, again, things that society puts into, um, puts in the picture that also puts you out of, quote, unquote, time, like we talked about before with the the beginning of the year is in the dead of winter, and the beginning of the day is in the dead of night, and all those things that take you outside of your natural element so that you're not going by your own flow, but you're going by a very unnatural, but very calculated flow to keep Mm -hmm. you, again, in that automated state instead of just going with the natural flow and the natural order of things. So, therefore, you are more likely to depend on the artificial ideas of time because you're already following it. Mm Mm-hmm. So in your mind or your own mindset is to trust what is being shown to you as what time is versus developing your own ideas and concepts. And, you know, rising above that or graduating from that. Mm -hmm. So I had always thought about the, yeah, just... uh, it doesn't make any sense that the day starts in the middle of the night. Right. I wouldn't start at the beginning of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes no sense. Um, but how we are automatically always steered away from our own concepts or our own ideas because you have to go along with, or you don't have to, but because it's expected of you to go along with what everyone else is, what everyone else's definition of what your ideas should be in order to make the machine work versus you breaking away and creating your own own piece or your own machine. Mm-hmm. You're just a cog in the in the system rather than being your own entity. So anything that you that, that society can put in place to make sure that you stay a part of the bigger machine rather than creating your own, that's what's put into place. And time is a big, um, a big, a big piece of that. And we measure everything with with time. Mm-hmm. And where you should be and what you should be doing by this time, even with ages, by this time of your life, you should have A, B, and C. And if you don't, then you're falling behind or you're ahead of the game or you're smarter or you're, everybody's trying to keep up. Everybody's competing. Everybody mm-hmm. has to stay where everybody else is supposed to be at this time mm-hmm. in their life. So, again, you can because you're so busy trying to stay where everyone else pleasures should be or what you should do, again, takes us outside of our, our element and puts us on, you know, in, autom- in in robot status or we become automated, once again, on another level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Do you see how subtle yet profound that is? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Both, you know, <laughs> very subtle but very profound. Oh, yeah. You know? Yep. It's just movie yeah. trapped yeah. everywhere. That's how it is. Lots of subtle, yeah. all those little subtle things that you don't. Know, it's subtle enough for you to think that it doesn't. We think subtle is not important. Mm-hmm. If it's subtle, if it's small and it's subtle, then it doesn't carry that much weight. It doesn't have very much importance when the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Is really the case. And so the 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 basic things, subtle things, are the things that we need to be paying the most attention to. Mhm. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean that that's what that that that's always where all the movement is, is generated from the subtle things. Right. You know the small the small always dictates what happens with the large. You know, yeah. the quantum world dictates what happens in, in this. Yeah, so the, the subtleties. I mean, any, any way you break it down, even in the Bible, it talks about God's voice being a still, still small, subtle voice, whisper, almost a whisper. Mm-hmm. You know, very subtle. Exactly, and it's paying attention to all those little subtle things that are really giving you all of the information and the answers that you are looking for, searching for, but we overlook them because we're looking for something bigger, louder, faster, and it's so soft, subtle right. things that are mm-hmm. right. barely dangling in your face, but it's right in your right. face that you choose not right. to see or look at because if it's really something that important, it would make more of a, it's more of a statement. Right. And that's why you've got to be sensitive. That's why sensitivity is a gift, you know? Yeah. 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 I I wasn't wasn't able to appreciate that until I got older. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, Every, everything in my world said that I feel ill afford to be sensitive. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, being an athlete, being an athletic and all that kind of stuff, you can't. You have to have a certain rigidity. rigidity. You can't be sensitive. There's no place for that. Right. So you're talking that, you know, being sensitive is, is, is somewhat of a, a, a hindrance or a handicap, you know? So I've, always, yeah. I've always looked at it as a handicap. And it isn't Same. until now that I'm able to appreciate how actually how sensitive I actually am. <laughs> I'm probably the more sensitive than I even realized I was. Mm-hmm. You know, right? But it it serves me. Yeah. It serves me very well. You're in touch. And you're able to feel things. You know, sensitivity right. has it comes with a lot of other positive attributes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It allows you to sense and feel things that other people can. You know, once you once you process how it applies to you, once you use your sensitivity outside of how you're affected by it, you know, in terms of other people affecting you, using that avenue to get to you, you know, once you're able to relax that part and 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 and, and dissipate that part, sensitivity takes on a whole different field of play. Yes. You're able to feel and sense things that other people in the room can't. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, be able to read things better. So you're always one step ahead of everybody in the room, pretty much. You're trying to feel everything that's going on, even the unspoken things. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm sure it is. Look, I'm 6'4", almost 6'5". 6'4", 290. And I sound like I'm 5'11", <laughs> 175, and I'm sensitive as hell. <laughs> uh, and I will whip your ass if I have to. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it, man. I'm grateful. When I think about those artists who can do those those hyper-realistic paintings where it looks like it's a photograph or that you're looking at something in real time, and I just think about how sensitive to color they have to be to be able to tell right. the difference between one shade of brown and the next shade that's just, you know, a quarter of a shade lighter or darker. You've got to be able to tune into those fine, subtle differences. Right. And, and you're not going to be able to do that if you're being told that that sensitivity to those little nuances is a weakness. Right, it's a weakness, exactly. You'll be able exactly. to see something coming before it even shows up if you let yourself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Man. All of those things, I'm beginning to realize how upside down the quote-unquote world actually is. Oh, yeah. And that's probably one of my hard, fast rules, that in, anything that they tell you not to do is probably something you should consider doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anything that they mm-hmm. is, is forbidden for you to do is probably something you should consider, at least exploring right. the possibility of doing or, or sampling or something. Cause that, what, that, that's forbidden for a reason. And it's not forbidden for your safety or for your benefit. You know right. what I'm saying? The, mm-hmm. the framers of society don't benefit by um, allowing you to have autonomous decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, they tell you what they want you to think specifically. Right. And anything, you know, and then then anything outside. First, they label um, um, in a disobedience and rebellion as these stains on society that you should never want to venture or. Or, or associate yourself with. Mm-hmm. So anybody starts talking that anarchy type, you know, language, you get the hell away from them. Right. But while you're here, this is what I want you to think, <laughs> you know. And everything, just about everything that we observe and hold to be true, from a societal standpoint or from a cultural standpoint, even, isn't exactly the case. It's usually the other way around. Right. It's usually the other way around. I mean, it's like almost the, the the exact contract. It's crazy. It is. You know, and I, yeah. I think about my schooling. I just, I wish someone or somehow I would have been able to be more consciously aware about of how I learn. I was thinking specifically about reading literature. You know, if if it was a really exciting piece of literature, I could stick with it. But generally speaking, I have to take books in bits so that I don't check out. And I wish that someone would have been able to show me consciously that, okay, if you can only take books in bits, well, then take them in bits. And even if you read it out of sequence, well, your brain works in such a way that you can sequence it together once the information's in there. And if I would have known that, 
school would have been so much easier for me. But it really just comes down to, you know, first off, what game you're playing and who designed the game. Because if it's a game that's not designed with you in mind, then why are you playing it? Why are you playing it? And I didn't really understand that till very recently, you know. And now I'm thinking, okay, if this isn't, this isn't a game designed for me to win or succeed or get very far, all right, then I need to just put this game down and make up another one. Right. Right. Or make a decision of am I going to, what is my main objective to doing this and what is it that I want to get out of it in the end and sticking to that. Did you measure up six they told you equals an A and equals a B and equals C and you're failing if you do this and you're passing if you do this. So what is right. my idea of passing and failing? Mm-hmm. So it's there yeah, it's it's a very small group it the the whole system is designed for a very, very narrow <laughs> group of people. Um to be able to succeed, and everybody else is everybody else that is outside of that is basically labeled as a detriment to themselves and won't be successful because you can't follow directions or show up on time. Or like I, I was me being on both sides of the school system and having a child in the school system now and really trying to concentrate on. Like I talked to this teacher this week and I said, he's here to get what he is to get out of this. Mm-hmm. Not what you say he is to get out of this. And why I will be here and I'm, I will be talking to you quite often because he needs to get what he is to get out of this so that it benefits him. Not what people in a building eight miles away says he's supposed to get who hasn't actually even ever been in the classroom. Um, and with, I know with, with me going to school, I was, I was one of those kids that I followed directions. I showed up on time. I got perfect attendance. It all worked mm-hmm. for me. And I was led to believe that people who didn't do that were irresponsible, losers, and I did look at people differently if they didn't fit that. Well, they're not taking life seriously. They're not serious about themselves. They're losers. They're going to be a nobody because that's what I was trained to think. And then mm-hmm. on the flip side, when I became a teacher, and I could see that this system takes no consideration for the 22 hours or the the 18 hours they're not in school. And they're supposed to pull all that together and then sit in the classroom for right. six hours and right. everything else in their life doesn't apply. It's right. stupid. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, there's a lot of things that I was just like, I didn't even see that. <laughs> I'm not going to say anything. I don't care. There's a lot of things like, I really don't care. And I knew that I, I worked with mostly kids who did not in the system, and the fact that they connected to the judicial system, and if they miss a certain amount of days, they have to go to court. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Which is again another limitation is the whole judicial system, which you know links you as a, a good person or a bad person according to if 
you're doing what they believe you're supposed to do or not supposed to do, um, which would probably be an entire show. <laughs> and we've got about 12 minutes left, so I won't get too much into that. But um, I think that what the bottom line or kind of what I want to to talk about is to, you know, I think about the stories, the stories that you tell yourself about who you are or what you are, the kind of person who you want to be based off, based off of how you see or look at other people um, that you attach yourself to that basically enslaves you and anchors you down to one very small false reality. Yeah. And so anybody who is listening, I would challenge you to to ask yourself, what story are you anchoring yourself to that is limiting you and therefore enslaving you? So a lot of people, even if you think, you know, I want to be dreamed about being a doctor. Is your ideas of being a doctor because, or whatever it is, I'm using a doctor because that's the quintessential job that everybody wants their kids to be a doctor or a lawyer. Are you doing that because that's somebody else's dream for you, or you look at these people as smart and um, heroic, and so you want other people to look at you as smart and heroic, and you think that that's the avenue that you have to take in order to get that from other people. Therefore, um, depending on other people to give you your sense of value, look at your motivations of you know why you make the decisions you do, and what is the story that you're sticking to? Is the story that you're sticking to and the agreements that you've made with yourself and the universe to keep yourself in that box because that's what you think is only possible for you because you're not one of those people who are rich or famous or successful or whatever it is that you think that you want or could have that, that you're limiting yourself to. Just, you know, just what what is your story and how are you limiting yourself to that story, therefore closing the doors to everything and anything else. Whether it's family, society, religion, memory, all of the above, or none mm-hmm. of the above, what is it? What are you anchoring yourself to based off of your beliefs that only have power because you believe them? So that that would be my my kind of overall thought of this. And Sean, I'll ask you before I ask Aaron, so you won't be able to say Aaron took my. <laughs> Aaron took my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. What are your, what's kind of the overall, what you want to kind of sum up, what would be your kind of closing? Oh, my overall time? summary? My well, overall yeah. summary is, um, my overall summary is pretty consistent, man. Just, um, don't drink you guys. Um... <laughs> Follow the record carefully to avoid skin and scalp irritation, hair breakage, and eye injury. And say no to drugs. You <laughs> <laughs> know the drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <they> <laughs> <laughs> and to say something, and I've been all out there to say that. Uh huh. Yeah. That's what I write. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, Aaron, what are your last... No, 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 in all honesty, though, in all honesty, I don't know what it is about Aaron and the way that he thinks, but a lot of shit that Aaron says is something that you'd have been rattling around in my head, (laughs) you know, and I Uh haven't said it yet, or, you know, he's he's like a muse, man, so go ahead, Aaron. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm doing. Or Aaron knows how to, there's a lot of things that, yeah. Or there's something that you want to say or you're thinking, but you don't know how to articulate it. And then Aaron articulates it, and you're like, that's, you know, you're like, that's what I've been trying to say for two hours. And you said it, and like. I'm going to hire you to be my Facebook writer. I'm going to hire you to be my Facebook writer. Look, this is what I want to say, Aaron. All right. <laughs> Yeah, hey, it sounds yeah. like a plan. Okay. <laughs> oh man. All right, Aaron. What's your last? What's your last thoughts? Well, it seems to me that it's pretty clear from our conversation and from the many conversations that not only we have but other people have that mm-hmm. limitations are self-imposed for the most part. So if you remove them and you tell yourself that there are no limits. I can do whatever I want, yada, 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 then ask yourself what you would do. And if the answer is nothing, uh-huh. well, then do that because right. there are no rules. You know, it's, it's, it's your game to play. So really think mm-hmm. about why you want to do the things that you're doing and if you would still do them, if you could do anything you wanted. Mm-hmm. See, I told mm-hmm. you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm willing to make an agreement right here that Aaron does all the final words, man. Mm-hmm. Final thought. Final thought by Aaron. Final thought, Aaron. <laughs> hey, hey, if there's any, anything you can, you know, you know, kind of add on to what it is that he, whatever the final thought is, or we can just say, yeah, okay, and that'd be it. <laughs> and then, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess, you know, just being a part of this society, we all have um, work to do in that department because your whole life is is bombarded with messages to brainwash you and to make you think things, so... um, one thing that I'm I'm going to give up the belief that food makes me fat, so I'm going to eat as much as I want. And yeah. holding in my feelings, holding in my feelings and in my emotions is what actually makes me fat. So I ain't holding nothing in. I'm gonna say everything I have to say. I'm gonna fully express myself, and I'm going to eat what I want to eat. Um. So that's my that's my um <laughs> that's creating my own reality and my own existence that I'm I'm um creating my own changing the rules too. And uh I invite other people to do the same thing. That's that's the challenge is what are you making true for yourself? And I think truth is relative to everybody because and and to time. I mean there are things that were true for you when you were five, that's one true for you when you were sixteen, that's change to have you have another truth and another reality when you are an adult. So it is a constant as you evolve, as you change, as you grow, um, 
and make new discoveries, truth changes. So the truth is when someone says, you know, this is the truth, that might be their truth, but it might not be your truth. So find find your truth or discover mm-hmm. your truth. And it's an everyday, you know, every day is different. Every day you're a new person because you're, you can't be the person you were yesterday because every experience changes you. So find out what it is every day and keep keep moving forward. So I think that is it. So thank you for everybody who is listening. Um, if you want to, you know, if you want to leave us a question and comment, if you have show ideas, please let us know. You can email us or email us at blueclick at gmail.com. It's B-L-U-E-C-L-I-Q-U-E at gmail.com or you can leave a comment on our page on Blog Talk Radio. Um, if you want to listen to the last uh, past shows, they're all archived on Blog Talk Radio and on iTunes. And you can rate us and let us know what you think there too. Um, or join us on Facebook. Although I will warn you, if you join us on Facebook... <laughs> We are, we, you know, we we don't sugarcoat anything, and we will question your ideas and thoughts. So, if you are very sensitive, emotionally sensitive, and you are, you know, defensive in your feelings, then just, you know, you might just want to just be an observer. But if you put something on there... You will get in. It will be truthful. It's nothing personal. Anything that is up there is all to lead each other to our greater self. So join us on Facebook, but beware that there are people who know. <laughs> be very, very open and truthful and honest with you for your greater good. Um, but you just have to look up the blue click expression. Expression of Spirit on on um, Facebook, and um, we'll see you there. So, thank you very much for everybody for joining us, and we will see you next time. Peace. Bye, peace, bye, everybody.
keep telling me don't. 